Uh, now is the time for the speaker to qualify. Okay. Um, I want to thank Don for asking me to speak. Um, I gotta say, it feels weird to be the secretary of this meeting and be the speaker of the meeting. Um, so that um, the message is to carry the message, right? So uh, just to qualify, I've been in program since uh, 1998. I have, I'm coming up on my six years. Um, and I'm down 140 pounds from my top weight. Um, when I, uh, I never thought I had an eating disorder, you know, and, uh, that was, <laughs> and oh, if anyone heard that in the recording, that was the microwave going off. <laughs> I have a casserole in the microwave and we're going to share it after the meeting and this is a nudist meeting, so... And, of course, everyone can tell I'm Jewish. So it's good. All right. So it's going to be that kind of morning. Okay. So um, I love food. I still love food. I'm, I'm not the same way about food like I guess people outside these rooms are. Um, I, I talked about it at a, at a meeting uh, maybe a month ago at Serenity Sunday when I watched commercials about people eating food. To me, it's like watching porno. You know, it's like they really get into the food. They make it look so delicious. And they're just eating it. And I'm like, yes, yes, eat it. Yes. Light up a cigarette when they're done. Go to the next commercial. And um, it was funny. I'm, uh, an old neighbor of mine, he was um, a spokesperson for Taco Bell. Uh, on the commercials and this guy you know chiseled features rock hard abs fantastic and and you know i always see him on the on tv doing the commercials of eating the burrito and stuff like that and i'm like how do you eat all that stuff and and look the way you look and he goes i don't eat there I'm like, oh <laughs> and so you know food was always the thing for me always i would take food over going to family get-togethers. I would take food over women. I would take food over everything. It was always about food, 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 and getting all the food I can into my system. I, I would go on what I would call scavenger hunts, where I'd go in my car and go driving to all the fast food places, put everything in my passenger seat just so I can get home. And even though I had a nice full apartment of furniture, I would sit on the floor and have the coffee table and the TV, and it'll just be those three things. And I put all the food on the coffee table, and I eat it all, but I, I never remember chewing the food. I always shoved it down, because I was always trying to shove and suppress feelings that I was having. You know, oh my God, I'm 400 pounds. No one's going to love me. Oh my God, you know, I'm 400 pounds. I'm so ugly. Oh my God, you know, all this. And we all know, you know, we are our worst enemy and doing more damage mentally than anyone else could do to us. And I would do all that stuff. And all it would make me do is, you know, eat more and more. I remember this time, it was in the middle of the night and the food was calling. Duh. And um, I went to, I remember I was, I was like wearing sweats and I went to uh, Carl's Jr. Um, and it was midnight 
and there was a line of people and I was in line and then I looked to the left of me and the place is getting holed up the guy has a gun on the manager and the whole time I'm just like I'll get a cheeseburger I'll get some oh yeah, onion rings I'll get a cheesecake oh and a diet coke please because that diet coke is really going to help yeah but no shit. I mean, the place was getting held up, and I was still in line ordering my food. I didn't care. That's how my disease was. I mean, one of us is going to kill me, either my disease or this guy over here. Um, and then I grabbed my food, and I left. I was, I was so numb to the world. I was so oblivious to what was going on. All I cared about, you know, what's going to go into my mouth next? What am I going to eat next? That's all I cared about. Well, um, I got engaged. Um, to this person and the only thing of that relationship was she's the one who brought me into the program because she belonged to another program so even and I was in a very destructive relationship and it's amazing when you don't love yourself you'll take anyone who will love you no matter what they are you know no matter what if they're on that checklist of what you're looking for in a woman or a person or whatever um, you would just take anyone who breathed because they could love you the way you're hoping you could love yourself. And, um, and she brought me into OA. And as soon as I was in OA, started learning the steps, got a sponsor, did the traditions, did the tools, did everything. And then I learned I was in a disru- you know, dysfunctional relationship. And then I got out of that relationship. But she and I remained friends. And then I got abstinent in program and um, lost the weight and you know I had it for many many years Um, then I broke my abstinence I started over again and um, got abstinent for you know a good chunk of years lost my abstinence but yet no matter how many times I messed up on my program OA was always still here OA is not going anywhere and I look in the rooms and I see people here I've known since 1998, not as, you know, you know, people I would, you know, know their entire life story. But I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen you here since 1998. That's really cool. So and then I left program for a while. I came back and some of the faces are still here, you know, smiling yet sometimes. <laughs> and. Um, and then I got absent and, you know, I was absent for a very long time. And then um, I died. Pretty weird. I actually died. Um, what happened was that I went from 400 pounds to 180 pounds to 220 pounds to 240 pounds to 400 pounds. I went back and forth like an accordion so many times that my aorta ripped. And it, it, the order is like a hose. It goes from the heart all the way down to the foot. And it goes all the way down and it just expanding and retracting, expanding and And eventually it just ripped like a hose would rip. And it ripped all the way down. And I was married at the time, you know, had my little daughter with me. She was just a little itty bitty thing with a major temper. And <laughs> we were sleeping together. You know, I was just holding her, and then all of a sudden, my my chest hurt, my left arm hurt, my throat got really tight, my jaw got tight, and I'm like, 
oh man, this is weird. You know, and then I you put all the pillows around her so she wouldn't roll off anywhere. And then went into the living room and I sat down. I'm like, oh, this is getting worse. I'm like, oh my God, am I having a heart attack? No way. And then um, my wife woke up and uh, we called the ambulance and they rushed me to uh, the hospital. And then I went through that, oh, you know, that big machine, that round machine looks like a donut. And you're going through. Only I can describe something like a, with a food associated with food. And you guys are like, oh, yeah, that machine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Once you said donut, you had me at donut. And um, so I went in and went out and they did all these tests. I mean, then uh, doctor, his name is Dr. Yu. Um, he and I are actually really good friends. We go hiking a lot. And um, he said, uh, your aorta ripped. We're not qualified. We don't have the the talent here to repair you so they put me in an ambulance and they rushed me to Oxnard Hospital um, where it just so happens that the head um, heart surgeon of the hospital was there on call and they had enough time between me going from Simi Valley to Oxnard for him to put together his team and he called everybody it just so happened that guy was there the number one heart surgeon of that hospital. And then as they're taking me in the ambulance, um, I went to the driver who was sitting you know, back with me, and I, I go, am I going to make it to the hospital? I go, tell me the truth. And he goes, you have a ripped aorta, and i never really seen anyone make it to the hospital by the time we take him there. And I go, can I borrow your cell phone? And I started making phone calls to people I cared about and loved saying goodbye. And that's really weird to do that but I made it to the hospital and then uh, a priest was there and um, my wife was there and all my friends were there and my family and and the priest was going would you like last rites and he goes are are you Catholic I'm like at this point I'll be Catholic I don't you know I'll be I'll be I'll, I'll be whatever you want me to be Catholic Buddhist you know whatever and, you know, um, he was holding my hand. I was holding my wife's hand. My wife was holding the other hand of the priest. And he gave me last rites. And nothing will screw your brain up for the rest of your life when you have someone give you your last rites. Because stuff you would see in the movies, stuff you would see like on that TV show MASH and stuff like that, you never thought you would hear these words of, please, you know, dear Lord, open your arms to this new soul who's coming. No, no, no. And I'm like, oh, my God. And it was weird. And then I started thinking all the crappy things I've done in my life. And I'm like, oh, there's so many amends to make still before I go. I want to make sure I go upstairs and not downstairs. And, you know, visions of Trump posters everywhere. And um, outside issues, sorry. Um, We'll make hell good again. Um, So while I was... You know, getting my last rites, the search was like, come on, we're, you know, we're working on a time limit here. We're working on a time. Come on, come on. And then as they, you know, as I went through the doors, they, they went open. I died. And um, it wasn't painful. It wasn't bad. You just stop. You just stop. And I never shared this because, but this is the truth. As I was slowly slipping out I swear to God 
I saw myself looking down at myself. And that's all I saw and that's all I remember. And that was the weirdest thing. I never shared that because I was always so weird of people going, okay, we'll get that big rubber net right now for you. But that's what happened. And then the doctor operated on me for 11 hours. And, you know, they repaired me partially. And when I woke up, um, all these horrible things happened. The pain from waking up, I mean, I was slit down, opened up. And I'm going to give details because I think it's important. The reason why I think it's important is because if you always think, oh, I have time to get abstinent, you don't. You never know what's going on on the inside of your body. You can see what's going on the outside if you're too thin or if you're too heavy, but you never know the damage you do internally. So when you're saying to yourself, maybe I'll start Monday, maybe you won't get Monday. So this is why I'm going to be really graphic. It's, this is how serious and, you know, death-defying this disease is. So the doctor woke me up and he goes, and I go, you know, first thing I said was, am I dead? And he, he goes, oh, no, 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 you're not dead. And he goes, okay, this is going to hurt a little. So he put a little slit in my side of my rib. He shoved this giant glass tube through there, which really hurt. Because the tube goes in and it separates your ribs. And this is to drain all that stuff. Very painful. Was that worth that cheeseburger I had? Hell no. Very painful. Um, I had to live on oxygen. I was laid down for so long because they had to cut me open three other times where they put my chest back together again. They crack it open again. Of following week, they have to go back in and do that. Then they have to shoot all these blood pellets because I ripped all the way down to my leg. And then they put me back together again with staples. And then they reopened me again, cracked my chest again the third time, had to go back in. And uh, i got to tell you, it's not worth it. It's really not worth it. Breaking my abstinence versus that, if I knew it was going to be that painful, not worth it. Yeah, it's staying clean and sober and working with your sponsor and going to meetings. That's hard. That's work. But it's not going to kill you. You know, the disease will. And um, I had to learn how to walk again because I was laid up for so long that I lost, you know, my muscles and my legs. So can you imagine learning how to walk again, being an adult? You know, it was, it was, that was really weird. That was very humbling. Um, you know, just to go from here to there would literally take me 20 minutes. Because I would be really little steps and you're breathing really hard. You got this oxygen mask and all that. And so very rarely does a person survive a ripped aorta. Um, if you misdiagnose, you're dead. I was so lucky that the doctor who diagnosed me knew what he was doing. Um, you guys might remember the actor John Ritter. He died of a ripped aorta because they misdiagnosed him. By the time he went up to his room, they said, oh, my God, you guys ripped the aorta. And they rushed him down the elevator to the surgery. He died. I was really lucky. And um, because I was one of those rare patients who survived that, because I, I think they said 0.5 out of 10 survived that kind of surgery. 
that the hospital said, can we do a, a video on you and all that. So when you go to Oxnard Hospital, assuming you're the only hospital, you're going to go through the channels, then you're going to go through the hospital channels, and you're going to see me um, and talking about how the hospital saved my life, which they did. And, um, and that was eight, nine years ago that happened. Eight, nine years ago that happened. And so I'm all better now. I still get, you know, muscle uh, problems in my arms and my legs sometimes. You know, it's just part of the nerve endings that won't heal from the surgery. And that's to remind me what would happen if I ever decide to break my abstinence again. So, you know, I'm describing this in details because I don't want this to happen to anybody. I wouldn't wish this on anybody. Anybody. And... You know, take the threat of the disease very seriously. It will kill you. But it's not just you it happens to. It's the people in your life it happens to also. You know, we're in these rooms and it's always about, you know, myself. It's always about me, 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 me. Not thinking about how my kids are looking at me now. You know, my my daughter Ashley, she's 11. My son Greg, he's 14. And it affected them mentally as well. You know, dad was living in the hospital for three, four months. You know, didn't get to see them. And they remember that stuff. You know, now they still remember stuff from nine years ago. My, my, uh, my ex-wife, you know. And let me say something. She and I, we met in program. And what an incredible, lovely woman she is. And the, the program that made us end our relationship in such a beautiful way. The program didn't make us end, but um, it was that we used the program how to still remain friends. It doesn't have to be about drama or bad things or anything like that. We, we have such a tight relationship as friends, and we're always going to, I always wanted to hold a sign back to you. No. Um, um, and, you know, the program gives you tools of how to be a better person. We're best of friends. Today my mom turns 87. We're going to take her out for lunch. Um, she's going to join us, and uh, our kids are coming. And what a gift of the program is that. Oh, I can have these relationships with people, and not, I don't have to be self-centered. I don't have to make it about me. You know, it's, it's a real cool uh, gift to have. And, and the, the program has so many cool perks, too. Um, so my life is good now. My life is great. I'm getting it back on track. Um, dating again. That's a fun thing. Um, um, I was on this... Uh, my friend set me up on this uh, blind date. And... Um, we were talking and everything's going great. And she goes, oh, let me have that. And I'm like, she's touching my food. <laughs> this is not going to work out. <laughs> and that's like the disease is like, knock, knock. I'm still here. I'm still here. Let me out. Um, but life is, you know, life is what life is. And the program's helping me do it. I mean... I don't go to temple. I don't go to church or anything. These rooms are my church, are my temple. You know, seeing the faces and I'm always looking for faces. And if I don't see them here, I'm always like, oh, I hope they're okay today. You know, if I see them here, I'm like, oh, they're here again. 
No. Um, someone said, if you're, you're not going to enough meetings if you don't have at least one person who gets on your nerves or something like that. Is that what, is that what it is? Something like that I heard? So let me tell you, you're all getting on my nerves. Um, no. Um, but it's, it's, the program has so many gifts and it gives you so many relationships of friendship. Uh, people you care about, you know, you think of as brothers and stuff like that. And um, it's, it's a great program. It's a great life. It really is. And, you know, uh, and oh, it's funny. I remember when I got married, Roseanne, the founder, she gave me a bread bin. <laughs> like of all things to give me a food item related thing and I'm like oh this is great okay I never used it but I, I use it as my trophy not to use it does that make sense does that make sense I don't know if it does or not anyways um, thanks for listening to me um, for the people listening right now in the recording we're all going to get dressed again and this concludes our meeting thank you <laughs>
So, um, what led to your relapses, and how did you overcome that? <coughs> what led to my relapse? Um, Starting my own company. Um, that did it. <laughs> Having employees. Um, you're not just the owner of the company, you're their therapist. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was like, oh, man. Um, I remember like, oh, these people are driving me nuts, but yet they're making me money. What do I do here? And, and next thing I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. How the hell did this get in my hand? You know, and I'm eating all of a sudden, you know, stress, just stress, stress, stress. And then how I got my abstinence back, I just started coming back to the meetings, you know. And again, the, the faces are still in the room, so I know. And the program is, you know, even better. And um, that's because it, it doesn't change. The program doesn't change. But my, my program, how I work, it changes. And um, that's how I kind of lost it and gained it back. Yes. Yes. Thanks. Um, how did you come to terms with that your health problems, to put it mildly, were caused by your own actions? How did I come to terms that my disease? Um, that you're almost dying and physical, lasting physical problems were because of your actions. Um, I was really pissed at myself. You know, no one, you know, put a gun to my head and said, eat this. You know, and um, I was really mad. You know, I mean, I never knew such physical pain actually existed like that. You know, we're, we're talking, you know, I got scars all over my body, you know, from the surgery. And, you know, still I get these uh, bad episodes of pain. And it pisses me off that I chose to go to my disease. I guess it's, I guess when I was in my disease really deep, I was always hoping Maybe I'll just die in my sleep, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, um, but no such luck, you know? There's a difference of dying and dead, you know? I experienced them both, and I'm so mad at myself to this day. I'm trying to forgive myself, but I've been through a lot of pain, you know? I've been through a lot, and... Uh, I'm still trying to forgive myself. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Could you talk about the defects of character and asking God to remove them? I particularly step seven is what I'm interested in. My defects of character. <laughs> Voila. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, get what you see here. My, my defects of character. What are my defects of character? Um, when, when working step seven, um, I don't work it alone. You know, I'm, I'm not a tourist in this program. You know, I have a sponsor, and I work with my sponsor. And every time I work and do my writing, I always ask for God's um, guidance. I, I've turned into that person I never thought I would be. And it's, it's a real gift to know that you don't have to do this alone. I mean, there's so many beautiful souls in this room right now. You look to the left, you look to the right, you know. And there's so many people who are on the same journey. 
and my defects of character that I'm working on still, um, I've got so many, but I, I don't, I'm not doing it alone. And I ask for God's guidance. I really get down on my knees, you know, and I pray. You know, there's nothing uh, too humble to do for my higher power. Yeah, Nikki. Um, thank you so much for your share. Um, you said something in your share about this being a wonderful, a beautiful program and also a wonderful, a beautiful life. And I'm wondering, given some very painful circumstances you described, and also a world that a lot of people aren't loving so much right now, um, how have you managed to mitigate that using your program and sort of find this life to be so beautiful despite some I, I I really find it I do find it beautiful I, I I gotta tell you nothing makes me happier than coming to this meeting my home meeting I have two home meetings this and Serenity Sunday and man when I when I when it's Friday and I'm like yes tomorrow's Saturday I get to see these weird people it'd be great <laughs> and you know it's you know, a lot of people here I, I still don't know, but we always give each other the nod. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, hey, what's up? We're here. We're here together. And then uh, I, I just really try to find that where I came from, that there's always a, a side B. And you can make the choice of it being horrible or bad or what, or you can make it beautiful for yourself. And coming to these rooms really helped me do that. I can't do this alone. You know, by myself, I'm a wreck. You know, you, you wouldn't ask me for directions where furniture is in Ikea. It's like I would get you lost without this program. And, um, but with this program, I can give guidance that has been guided to me. Does that help? Okay, thanks. Sir? What does an absolute meal look like now compared to where it was? Um, it's one meal. What it was, it was a lot of meals in one. Um, I would go to restaurants and order something to eat, and then I would order an appetizer and dessert, and uh, then when I was done, went to another restaurant did the same thing. Uh, now I just eat in one sitting, you know, three meals a day. I have my three meals a day, and it's portioned out for one person. You know, I'm not eating for two people anymore. And um, it's really cool. The slower I chew and eat, the more food is left behind, and I don't throw that away. I get it to go, and I give it to the first homeless person I see. And that's not me. That's the program working. You know, you know, I don't like giving people money or anything. I don't know what they're going to spend it on, but if you're really hungry, here's some food. And that makes me feel kind of good inside to do that. It's kind of neat. Yeah, thanks. Are we done? Yes. Hmm? <laughs> okay, do we have another question? Yes, Janet. Mm. What do you see now? Do you see the 400 pounds 
results now and how do you deal with it? When I look in the mirror, do I see the 400-pound person or do I see how I look right now and how do I deal with it? Yeah, I see the 400-pound person. How do you deal with it? How do I deal with it? I'm still dealing with it. You know, it's just mental scars, you know. Um, I remind myself where I got my clothes today wasn't a big and tall store, you know, that's because that's the only places that would, you know, I can go shopping. And believe me, they charge by the yardage. The clothes are really expensive, and they're not that great in patterns either. You know, you know oh, good, stripes. Yay. Um, but I, I, see, I still see that 400-pound person. You know, I do. I'm also really aware of other people around me. When I see other people who are, you know, um, overweight outside these rooms and stuff like that. Part of me wants to get him into the program. Part of me wants to respect her space. I mean, wouldn't that be a horrible thing if someone comes up to you and go, hey, look, I got this program for you. You don't know me. but So I don't, yeah, the, the program's brought me so many gifts, and I want to share it, but it's just such a fine line. How do you share that sometimes still? You know, you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. I still hurt my own feelings when I look in the mirror. You know, I do. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm at where I want to be. Uh, Adam? Thank you for your share. Um, 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 what, um, can you tell me? Talk about your experience with sponsors, how you got a sponsor, with, uh, was it just one sponsor you've been with all along? Or? I've, I've had um, numerous sponsors, and um, we shared the same sponsor at one point, you and I, and um, they always say look for someone who has what you want, and um, I, I, I did that, and I have a you know very gentle soul who's uh, my sponsor now. Um, goes to the valley meetings and now that I moved here I'm back on the west side, west side I'm doing all the meetings here and you know we talk um, we, we're at this level where we don't talk every day but if I need to you know he's always there for me and um, I, I still challenge myself making outreach calls I'm better I'm better as an earpiece than a mouthpiece you know um but that's part of my program that's still in the works. Yeah. Um, has my relationship with my family um, changed uh, being in program? That was the question. Um, yeah. You know, when I had kids and um, it's hard to stay abstinent when you have kids because, you know, you're giving them these meals, you know, you're, you're going to places for a quick fix because they're yelling at you and they're jumping and you're trying to restrain them in the car and then you're like, where can I buy a life jacket or put them on right now or something or a straight jacket, whatever. I just want to keep them, you know, quiet. So then you just start making these horrible choices. You know, this is when they were little tiny um, things and uh, um, you... <laughs> and um, uh, but now being abstinent it's like you know 
my, my relationship with my children are wonderful. My relationship with my ex is fantastic. You know, the, to say, you know, my, that my kids are my best friends and my ex is still my best friend, and that's the gift of the program. You know, relationships are what you make of it, and I want to make really good relationships. Is that it? Oh, it's a setup. Okay. I assume that you still have some anxiety about some of these medical problems coming back up. You depressed me already. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. You know, I do. You know, um, the doctors, you know, they, they didn't think I'd actually last as long as I did. And, um, you know, I stay very close to my higher power. I must do the serenity prayer. God, if I don't do it at least a minimum of ten times a day in my head, I'm not like one of those people going up and down the sidewalk going, God, grant me this. You know, I do it in my head all the time. You know, and, you know, let go, let God, let go, let God. And, you know, I, I never thought I'd be one of those spiritual people. But, it, you know, the spirituality of the program really helps me stay in touch with the program, too. You know, um, maybe someone heard a message today that might help them. Maybe it doesn't. You know, I'm, you know I, all I can do is be responsible for me and my actions. And, and that's how I'm taking my disease and recovering from it and um, recovering from the surgery still. Um, I got no exaggeration. I must take um, six pills um, to help me go to sleep because I lost my pericardium because they cut me open so many times. So I literally have this artificial heart valve that beats against my chest bone and my body's constantly vibrating. It's always doing this. And I hear the knocking in my head. It's not I'm going nuts or anything. It's really the valve. And uh, it's really the valve that's doing the knocking noises and stuff. And if you put your head to my chest, you're going to hear this major thump. And it drives me nuts. It, it really does. And, you know, I, I pray for that, you know, because <laughs> once it stops, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm dead. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, kickstart it. You know, there's... Um, I'm, I'm still around. It's a, it's a miracle. It really is. I don't think I'm going to go anywhere. I think i got another good 20 years in me. You know? 
Yeah. But um, staying really close to my higher power helps. And looking in the mirror all the time and seeing scars and um, everything else is, um, is just a reminder of what can be again. You know, maybe if I go back out again, I won't get another chance. I think I kind of used up all my nine lives, you know. Is that it? One minute. Fantastic. We're done. <laughs> oh, damn you. Okay. Yes. <laughs> when people pry, no. Um, <laughs> what, what, do I get pissed off? Yeah, I get pissed off. Okay. <laughs> no, but thanks. Thanks a lot, guys.